0: I'm Liam McLendon and this is Dragonheart. Well, welcome to Dragonheart and it's live! (laughs) I am joined today by Bill Long and the one, the only Disney's Mark Griffiths.
1: How are you both? Not on Disney. Myself, oh, Mark
2: no. is though. Mark's fantastic on Disney. Yeah, it's it's lovely. Yeah. It gives you a wonderful warm feeling, which is only harmed when you realise that neither of the people on the show with you have ever seen Spinal Tap,
0: which is <laughs> shocking. <man. laughs> well, it's, it's it's on the list now, Mark. Good but life. also on the list today, we've got the Barnett Games to talk about. We've got our rival. We're going to cap off our rivalry series. We're going to have a bit on Blythe, but first, we're going to be talking about. The Final Whistle Podcast. Is it the oldest podcast in the world? After this, you'll find out. I'm Luke Young, and this is Dragonheart. Well, Rex May FC have tweeted it. It is official. The Final Whistle Podcast is the oldest football podcast in the world. Mark, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel... Like a natural woman. No,
2: sorry, I got my song. Released, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, I've got to be honest. I've spent a year double checking the facts on yeah. this because when I first suspected it, I just couldn't believe it. And I kept putting off making the announcements because I just kept thinking, I've got to look one more time. But basically, uh, I started it off at the LDB Vance finals so of tw- 2005. That was the very first podcast because it always felt, you need a platform to to tell stories you know, and you know, the old fashioned media didn 't really allow for that apart from things like community radio stations to be fair mm. um, and so I started it then and it 's carried on ever since <laughs> and looking at, looking it up i mean two thousand and five is pretty early for podcasts to be honest yeah um, the big news organizations started to get interested in it. And did start theirs in the summer of 2005, things like the Guardians won and the, the game by the Times, but that was in the summer, two months afterwards. Um, Celtic Underground, did the world's oldest fan-run one, but that was started in 2007, as did Football Ramble, that somebody was was pondering about uh, today when it was on Twitter. Um, there was an old one, which was an American one called Soccer Girl, but... It merged with another podcast and, after a little bit, dropped the soccer element. So it's it still exists and it's older than us, but it's not been about football for about 15 years. Wow. So, yeah, no, no question, we are the oldest podcast about football in the entire world.
0: Which, you know, it, it's incredible. It's, it's four years older than the biggest podcast in the world, the Joe Rogan Experience. You know, that, that's... Second that, biggest, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, second biggest now, but
0: Bill, that's really ahead of its time, isn't it? By you know,
1: over ten years. Yeah. Well, if not a bit more. In yeah, yeah. way, Really, because we all know Jake Humphries, as the football ramble said, invented a podcast in 2020, didn't they? Didn't he? So, uh, <laughs> you no. Know, um, do you know what? How how did that go about? Like. From a technical point of view, where were you uploading it to? Was it just the uh, the official Rexham website, or no? Um, I ran at the
2: time the aso- the supporters' associations website, and I should say as well, uh, th- we owe them a huge debt of gratitude. Mm. They, they paid out a hell of a lot of money for equipment, for commentary, and you know, obviously, it was also being used for the podcast and things like that. So I ran their website, and I just had to embed it, and it was as laborious as. Handmade RSS feeds. You know, there was nothing. There was no SoundCloud or anything now. Where you, you know, where you just bang it straight on there. It was handmade, and you had to type it all in. Oh, it was a hell of a fiddle. And then you'd post it, and then see it's not come up, and realize that you've you've missed out one of those little greater than signs or something. And you had to go back into the code. So it was a bit of a laborious job. But it was great. I mean, there were a couple of things that made me think about this beforehand. One was that I interviewed Alex Ferguson at a Wrexham game when he was refusing to do any media. Why did he say yes to me? I guess because of my Disney connections. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's because I... I pushed the sort of hospital radio element and, you know, it's a pain and stairs because we did the commentary of hospital radio too and and fooled the old fella. And although he was quite grumpy all the way through, he was really good and talking about Darren playing for Exum and things like that. But then what happens to that? I stick it on the club, on the support association's website. 30 people listen to it. And then, it's sort of gone. It was essentially a private conversation. And then the other thing that made me think was just the ability to tell your own story. And now, I admit, you know, it's obvious that, you know, citizen journalism is a massive thing, isn't it? You look at what's happening in places like Ukraine or in places like you know, Saudi Arabia and different places like that where people will tell what's really happening behind the scenes. I mean, I used to, for a little bit I did match reports for Marches Island did their away matches being that's the old station which was based in Gwersucht. Um and <laughs> it was really frustrating they take reports every 15 minutes on a match that was all they were interested in it was so regimented And, for example, after a game at Gillingham, and this really made me think there's got to be a better way of doing this, a better way for people to tell other stories rather than the official story. We played at Gillingham with a striker, Scouse lads, called Steve Morris, who was a good striker and was a bit of a a chippy, you know, sort of buggy like having your team, just winding up everybody. And he scored after 20 minutes at the Gillingham end, ran behind the goal, and how should I put this Major, sent a digital message to all the Gillingham fans as he ran past him yeah, yeah, certain number of fingers <laughs> in the air, um, less than two, and they went nuts and Priestfield is quite a Scary area. It was like an ambush city, you know, yeah, really. Gilly, it's supposed to be a runaway day, Gillingham. Yeah. Well, about a month before, there'd been massive trouble because Gillingham had played Millwall and it really is narrow alley after narrow alley. It's a real ambush country. So it was quite an intimidating place and the atmosphere was intimidating. And after that, they went really crazy. We won, which made that mood even worse. And after the game, I was leaving. And I heard some right commotion behind me, and I turned around. The Wrexham bus, the team bus, was leaving, and Gillingham fans were outside throwing bricks iron. And I thought, this is a story. I'm not a professional journalist, but I can tell this is a story. And I ran to a call box because you know you had to be Alan Sugar to have a mobile in those days. <laughs> and I called the studio, and I said, right, I'm standing outside Gillingham's game. I've just finished doing reporting for you. The Wrexham coach is being attacked by about thirty. Hooligans with bricks, and they said, "Oh, thanks very much. We'll pass that on." And they hung up on me, and that was it. I mean, it, there was that was not a story. Nothing happened, and I just thought, "You need a platform, don't you? You need yeah to yeah. be." And I don't mean that in the sort of I'm a nut job on the internet and I'll just put some lies out because I claim I saw it. But when things like that happen,
0: it, it, it's it's great to have the control, the editorial control to put there out there and say it yeah which is you know this day and age everyone can do a podcast can't they Uh, anyone and everyone but Bill it's mad to hear you know how how these things that me and you really love we love our podcasts and we we know how they originated especially you know one close to our heart
1: our dragon heart yeah Uh, sorry that's been done boo (laughs) 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 yeah it's 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 crazy I remember listening to Final Whistle I used to work in a, a the uh, industrial estate on a, a site called Avox. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's been closed down for a while now, isn't it? But they used to let us listen to music while we were doing data entry, and, and I'd quite often listen to Final Whistle. I remember listening to you interviewing Matthias Pogba. Oh, geez. <laughs> In a, <laughs> a, a controversial figure in his own right. Yeah, true <laughs> yeah, <enough>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's some real history there, Mark. If he does ever get um, yeah sentenced or anything, you know, you've got you've got that interview yeah. somewhere lying like around in, on the internet. In French,
2: that was wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've, I've interviewed three players in French. The first one was Emad Bouanan and his accent was lovely to understand. And then the next two, Pogba and then Lamine Sacco After even more, their accents were so complex. My French isn't brilliant, but I can I can cope, but not with those two. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I spent hours listening back, syllable by syllable, to work those two out.
0: You know, you've done so many. You know, you, you do the final whistle weekly, and it's something I really enjoy listening to. To be fair, and I, it's something I enjoy more than actually watching highlights because I like listening. You know, you can break your own story in your head, and you can sort of have the you know little arguments with you if you don't if I don't agree yeah, with something yeah, yeah. you said. And I, I, I really enjoy the fi- I enjoy the final whistle more than I do highlights if ever. What what's your favourite final whistle you've done good lord that's a heck of a question uh,
2: probably the one with you at Oldham when that bloke started swearing at the back of my laptop no
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have quite a short term memory they call me the goldfish um, <laughs> gosh uh, that's a uh, I, I, oof I, I, the, the, my favourite podcast that I've ever done was with Jeff Moss and his pal ritu his first name's gone out of my Paul Ratu, who were owning, well, Moss owned a club. Ratu was his main business advisor. Mm-hmm. And I'll be careful what I say about this, although Ratu has spent a considerable amount of time in jail since then. Um, uh, where I felt that people were, it was, it was becoming worrying some of the things happening at the club, but mm-hmm. I didn't feel people were face to face holding him to account enough. And I wanted to do that. And I spent hours just trawling through everything. So I I felt I had a real sort of microscopic level of detail of understanding about what the heck was going on in terms of the business side of the club and um, interviewed them. And I, I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the feedback from it because basically I was I was absolutely totally pleasant. Um, don't get me wrong but I knew the amount of detail because like everything in life if you do the backup work Mm -hmm. it works I had the level of detail to, to be able to hold them to account on things that they said and kind of deliberately gave them enough rope To make promises that then they were held to afterwards So that was quite good Uh, I always had a little bit of sympathy in a way for Jeff Moss In that I think that he came in with very good intentions And then the financial situation changed And he didn't, I think, make the right decisions necessarily Of what to do about that and how to handle it I think he came in with the right intentions So I was conscious of that too But nonetheless, the club was was about to become in jeopardy Um, So that was definitely my favourite and that, yeah, that got a lot of really good feedback because I'd managed to get answers on questions that they weren't really getting asked. Oh. Brilliant. Any, any
0: specific game you enjoy, enjoyed covering
2: as well? Uh, when we got promoted, definitely, yeah. 2003, yeah. massively. I remember the, the Berry game more, actually. Um, when we After we got promoted... That was fantastic. And going in and doing interviews afterwards in the changing rooms and stuff. That was great. I was great fun. That we went to Barry. We'd already been promoted. They went very good. It filled out the whole away the in there must have been about four thousand there. And we just thrashed them. We'd be three nil, but I mean it could have been eight or nine. It was just that real sense of inevitability. We were on a roll, we were gonna batter these and it was it was tremendous that and afterwards yeah, it was it was just brilliant thinking we we're on the up.
0: And I, and I think there's one there's one <laughs> podcast in the future, hopefully, I could really top that and I think that's you know, <laughs> when we get promoted this time that'll be nice. a, a quality final whistle to do, won't it, that the, the day that happens. This February. Next February, yeah?
1: <laughs> Just get a, have it all wrapped up <laughs> by <Ben>. uh, Well <laughs>
0: We best start defending better um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, <fair laughs> Well uh, Speaking of final whistles Go listen to the last final whistle It was really good was the, Of the 7-5 The Barnet game <laughs> So after this We're going to talk About that crazy game
1: Hi guys I'm Dominic Rose And uh, this is Dragonheart Barnet Dodgy Barnet (laughs) We've not got much to say About this game Have we really? Wow Wow (laughs) Something like that
0: You know (laughs) Looking back At the Dover game Last season You're thinking You're never going to see A game like this Ever again You know And this game was Different to the Dover game But You know Within two seasons We've had two Extremely extraordinary games Where the whole world Are talking about us again For on, on the pitch reasons
1: But this was Different Wasn't it Bill? yeah it was it was I don't even really quite know how to unpack that game i, I sort of feel like it's you know when you come away from a game and said oh, you know if all their chances had gone in, we'd have lost five nil or oh, if we have scored all our chances we'd have won seven nil both of those things happened in the same game somehow <laughs> uh i uh me and a few people that we I was at the game with uh were speaking to some Americans in the in the turf, you know in the tent that's outside the turf at the yeah, moment yeah. And they were asking us what we thought the, the score was going to be and I, one of them said 5-2 uh, and the other said 6-0 and I was thinking oh, these silly Americans they're just <laughs> coming over here thinking every game is going to be a, a goal fest you know what do they know and even my mum was like oh yeah then you know it's not going to be like that every game <laughs> and they went and, and they were right <laughs> they, they were, they were yeah. They yeah. Yeah. right because we, oh, there was 12 what? goals instead of 7-6 oh, yeah, exactly, you know yeah, exactly a, <laughs> um, strange the atmosphere was very strange as well I thought it, to, a game to cover, like for me personally, honestly, y- you won't write this,
0: I don't do the live text um, job on on the website often, the last ga- game I did that was the Dover game, so <laughs> if if you, if you know that I'm on live match centre doing the text commentary, it's probably going to be like 15-7 or something, <laughs> but Mark, it was a crazy game to cover, wasn't it? It
2: really was It was There were points Where I thought We were going to score An incredible amount of goals I mean there was one When it went 7-2 A bloke in front of No 7-3 Beg your pardon A bloke in front of us Shouted We want 10 And although everyone Had a bit of a chuckle about it I was thinking "But, But there's half an hour left And the way this game's going I think that's, that's probably a 50-50 shout out, you know, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. And then there were points where we felt nervous. We were saying before we went on air that now being able to look back at it, we were never in danger of dropping any points once we'd gone ahead the second time. Mm. We, we, that was the point where we kicked on and they ne- they were never going to come back from that. But at the time it did feel a little bit nerve-wracking that when they got it to 7-5, there's six minutes left plus a chunk of added time. Even actually, yeah, looking back at it, they didn't make many chances really in the last 20 minutes, although they played pretty well. But, yeah, at the time it felt like, "Mm,
0: we could draw seven all here. Wow. (laughs) And you've got to give credit to Barnett as well. You know, they kept fighting. They really just kept fighting... And you know there's some quality players that um, mm. the winger what's his name, Idris, is it? Um, not it. It he up, looked yeah. a decent player, and that Kabamba, the striker, yeah, yeah. they could easily be playing at a, you know a higher level. Uh, but yeah, they really battled, and they really give us a tough game. Bill, I think sometimes as us, as us reckoned fans, especially post takeover, we don't give opponents enough credit. Sometimes,
1: no, we we, we don't. I mean, last year when we played Barnet, we beat them six 0 I think that was the worst I've ever seen a side collapse. Um, they really, I think, after the second or third goal in that went in last year, they really, really just that was it. They, you could tell their heads went. They were time wasting four 0 to try and stop more goals going in, uh, but it was the complete opposite attitude. And you know, ultimately, they they didn't get the three points and we did, so it just kind of doesn't make a difference in a way. But you know, they kept pressing and. Could have could have been rewarded for it. It was at seven three. The atmosphere was was really good in the stands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when the fourth goal went in, pe- people started to turn, and I feel like Barnett maybe capitalised a little bit on the on the atmosphere turning a little bit. I don't know. What, how does it how does it feel in you know like covering it in the stands because it's different when you when you sort of stood behind the goal when there's a bit of atmosphere there. I, I was too busy typing away to really <laughs> yeah. absorb anything that was yeah, going yeah. on. To be
2: honest, yeah, you thought it was too old, didn't you? <laughs> uh, I, I I would say yeah. It, it, the, the atmosphere did get deflated. I think that's natural though. I was, it was I was a little, little surprised, and I don't want to labour this too much when we went behind the first time. Um, the fans around us were quite angry in a way that they never were in the Dover game and I thought well, that's interesting because there's a, there's, a, there's a good hour left of this match now we've got a lot of goals in us. I'm not happy with how we're playing but I'm not in this position I, I think it's a bit premature to get angry but that was just I think an instant reaction apart from that the team the fans stuck with them until like I said it just went a bit flat at the end but I understand that I mean you know, the, the the sequence was different from the Dover game, wasn't it? This was we got it one, and now oh well, hold on, we've gone really sloppy here. You know, so I think that that naturally made people feel edgy. I think as well, you're saying about Barnet that game last season when they gave up at about four 0 I think I felt the same way. It's about the same point in the game this time when it went to yeah. when we got those four goals. I thought they've they've lost it. they've lost yeah. their instead they've gone, and it, it's massive credit to them that they did dig in and pull themselves back, I thought, because,
1: you know, that that wasn't easy to do. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think it... Talking from, like, a tactical point of view, it was the shape, wasn't it? Yeah. The shape was the issue. I mean, <clears throat> you were almost... We were almost playing with, like... Five at the back and five up front, weren't we? With yeah. you know, young, young and O'Connor in centre midfield pairing. I, I, I think that's got potential to to grow, but they didn't quite what, know what their roles were, did they? That's why I felt, I felt like O'Connor. Like you mentioned mm. mentioned it the other day, Cheddar. There was he looked brilliant and awful at the same time, didn't yeah. he? In patches of the game, and it was it's just I, I break Tom O'Connor down as in he's not had much game time. Oh yeah, yeah no, Red no, sure. of course, yeah. So <sighs> I
0: think I think you've got to give him one hundred percent a bit of time to really embed himself into back to playing f- football and getting match fitness, you know? It's all well and good being fit, but you, you may, he's not barely kicked the ball for the last six months or whatever it has. No, so we've got to exactly. give Tom O'Connor time. But that shape, Mark... it <laughs> It didn't work, did it? Let's be fair. It, it didn't. Although I agree with Bill that it it might work in the future,
2: and I think I've said this in the commentary in the on the, the final whistle podcast, the oldest podcast <laughs> in the world about football. <laughs> you know, I think that we are so ingrained in that five-three-two shape that we played that just the subtle alteration, yeah. I think, just I don't, I don't want to say threw us off kilter, but it certainly players were so used to their job and what they need to be doing and where they need to be at any set phase of play that that just that instinctive ability to be there wasn't there. And, and I think, uh, I'm reflecting on this further, that's the beauty... I can keep plugging now, Final Whistle. But Final Whistle <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's... I like doing that now, having the hot take straight afterwards, and then doing that the next day. So it gives you a chance to sit and think about it. And I've been thinking about this, and I think in a way, if I could put it this way, you've got three centre mids normally. So usually he's young in the middle, but he's not really a holding midfielder. And then Davis to his left, and Jones to his right, and that does give you a bit more. If you, to be simplistic about it, coverage, lateral coverage. Mm-hmm. Davis naturally is going to help out and double up with the left wing back when the ball's on that side of the pitch. Jones, who, let's be fair, does the running of ten men anyway is always going to be there to double up on the right hand side When you know, so we've got a bit of extra cover there. I think committing Lee forwards, and I'm not this is definitely not Christopher Lee who I thought was the best player on the pitch, but just that alteration, naturally two men, it's more narrow than three men So Young and O'Connor And more central Sitting in front of a back three The reason we have games like this Is because And I agree with this wholeheartedly, Even though it's risky I think Parkinson is saying We've got much better personnel Than anyone else in the division So We attack We throw bodies forward So our wing backs Really do spend a lot of their time Very high up the pitch It's difficult to make that recovery run That does leave your wide centre backs exposed Especially if they join in, Do you know, Clough and Hayden love mm-hmm. to join in, mm-hmm. and if you've got those three centre mids, you've got a bit more coverage if you like. So there's a natural if if McFadden can't make the recovery run, Davis might be able to. You know, you, it's a bit more, a little bit more balanced. Yeah, a I
1: think that's yeah I'm I think, not yeah. saying
2: it wouldn't work. I'm, not, I'm really not saying that. I think if we get used to this, I think there are other questions if we try to persevere with it. But I think it could work, definitely. Mm. But I, I think that it was there's, there's an issue there, and I thought Barnett did quite... The other element, like you see, Barnett played well, you got to give him credit for it. They had quite a sort of funky formation. It was quite unusual. It was a bit fluid. Carney was a left wing-back, but he'd pop up on the right wing. I mean, wow. Yeah, <laughs> you can see why yeah. they'd score a lot of goals and let a lot in, you know? Yeah. And I just think sometimes they work those overloads quite nicely. So we have an area of deficiency out wide where players are committing forwards and we're understaffed. And then you've got Barnett popping an extra player up in that area. And you look at the build-ups of a couple of the goals, they're also committing with their wide centre-backs forwards. So that the goal, which one is it? The one that was pulled back for, I want to say Cardo, the third goal, Collinge, the right-sided centre-back for them, has got in behind our defence <laughs> You know, um, you know, as Hayden or Clough might want to, but there's a big space there because they passed it around. Players didn't quite cover. McFadden didn't make the covering run, and suddenly you've got a centre back just popping up 15 yards out, completely unmarked, because the space is wide of those centre backs was sometimes empty because the players just didn't you know if 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 there were decisions to be made they weren't making them quickly enough perhaps. It was it was it was, it was fascinating to look at afterwards. Yeah, but bet.
0: So Not at the time so it was it terrifying. Was, <laughs> it was like it, it was a weird this game really was a weird cocktail of us trying something new, hmm. ban it being a bit unorthodox and crazy. Yeah. And just goals that wouldn't usually go in just actually happen to go in chances actually actually happen to go in so I think leading on to the Blythe game would you pick the exact same team again just to see if it works That is a fantastic
2: <laughs> question I'm increasingly feeling that whatever Parkinson wants only the strikers are likely to get That's my first thought I don't think he's going to make Big changes for this game On Saturday He has not had history
0: Of it in the past Has he The Marine game He played strong teams Things like
2: that Um, And then Davis I'm assuming Will be fit in time But then Lee Was terrific On Saturday I mean So yeah I guess that's what He gets paid the money for He's going to have to Make a decision on that Bly, they're doing badly at the moment, but on the other hand, they're going to throw the kitchen sink at us, aren't they? This is a chance for glory, so yeah, it's an
0: interesting one, that's I think. Yeah, you know, moving back to the Barnet game, Billy. What are your as as a fan in the stands? You're the man in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> what when that final whistle blew? How what was the emotions? Because you know we've got jobs to do. We don't you really, can't really absorb the atmosphere as much, mm-hmm. can you? Usually, to what you guys have,
1: I. I don't really know how to describe it. it I, I've walked away and felt like the crowd was more upbeat after a draw or defeat in the past. It was really weird. It was really weird. I think people were just shocked, almost <laughs> shell-shocked. But, you know, you came away from the Dover game uh, in a similar amount of shell-shock, but I think because we'd come back so dramatically, people were up, absolutely buzzing. We almost... F- felt like we'd almost thrown it away when we clearly hadn't, like Mark says, I haven't looked at it properly back, but you know, I'm sure if you look at it, it, it was never really in doubt apart from one wonder goal to get it to four and just a, a bit of switching off and people were complaining, people were walking out and they weren't happy and I think there's there's a lot of expectation at the race course at the moment and it, it kind of happened with the Gateshead game where people were complaining and we'd won I think we do need to take a step back and just appreciate the fact that we've just won 7-5 you know <laughs> yeah it, it is it, <laughs> we scored seven goals yeah we've let five in but we scored seven and the only stat that matters at the end of the year is the fact that we got three points so on the flip side to that though you can see
0: where the anxiety no, is no, from because we're going to be playing Boreham Wood in a, in a week or so week or so's time you'll forget about the Blythe game for a second it, it's a big big ish game but if we lose that it's not the end of the world Playing Borumwood the next Saturday after that's a huge game, and we all know Borumwood Mark. They're a strong defensive unit, and they've got some quality players. You can't play like that against a side like that. No, no, absolutely not.
2: And that's the balance we have to strike because our away games as well have been a little bit unusual, haven't they? We've seem to be caught between really going at teams or, or not. Yeah, exactly right. And I I do understand. I'm I'm slightly playing devil's advocate because I actually am in Bill's camp. I I just think, yeah, we just scored seven goals. I think I'm right that in the league we're still outscoring Man City, I think. Yes. I mean, this is madness. We're scoring more goals than anyone else in the entire country. So I think we need to (laughs) feel positivity. Yeah. But but I, but I, I do... I feel that but I do also feel I I do get we've let in five goals at home three times in a year that's not right but I do think it's partly because of Parkinson thinking right I've, I've got the firepower I've got the quality of squad I've got the money and therefore, what do I do? I go out and I dominate this division by
1: by smashing into teams. I, I've got to be fair as well. I don't think it was completely negative come out. I think people were a little bit more numb rather than being angry. You know, you <laughs> come out of the race course sometimes and it's just pure frothing anger, isn't it? You know, like <laughs> not so much since, since the takeover, but in, in general in the past when we've thrown away games and stuff, you know, people are, are really livid. I don't think it was quite like that it's more quiet it was, it was people, people were just really subdued coming out of the ground it, it was a hard one to digest though because you know
0: one of our other hosts Neil um, he was a bit disappointed wasn't he when he's yeah. usually really positive after the games I was initially disappointed I With my reaction to games, I usually have to, have to sleep on it, and then I'm, my, my opinions usually completely change. <laughs> yeah,
2: you say Neil was a bit negative, not as much
0: as you were. Yeah, I was... You, f- you were going nuts. You- I was... You know, <laughs> I was really, uh, d- post-match Shay <laughs> isn't usually one worth listening to, uh, <laughs> if, it's, if it's a bad result. Is that why they
1: call you the Incredible Sulk, is it? <laughs> um, I'm the Incredible Bulk, by the way. <laughs> but, but, you
0: know, looking back at it, uh, I've watched the highlights, uh, you know... W- I've come to terms with we've scored seven goals that's brilliant yes we've conceded five but it was a freak game it's not you know if we go to Boreham Wood on a week on Saturday and we end up losing three three nil or what have you then it's a bit mm, that's concerning but we haven't been conceding goals goals and goals and goals this season it was a crazy game we've won we've won that's all that matters is the three points at the end of the day when Leonardo da Vinci applied the final
2: brushstroke to La Gioconda and stepped back and said my Mona Lisa is now complete I can die happy I know that just with these simple hands and these tools I have created something more profound more beautiful more enigmatic than anything that ever man any man will ever achieve he didn't know that Elliot Lee would make that assist for Oli Palmer. <laughs> yeah. and I, I could just hear in the background, just as the, as the cheering died down after that goal, I could just hear an a frustrated Italian man shouting awful things in Latin <laughs> from beyond the grave. It was Leonardo, knowing that now he's done the second greatest thing in the history of crazy. Was he?
1: What a
0: pass! <laughs> that was beautiful. That was. Elliot Lee, he's some player, isn't he? And we've been talking since the Olden game, really. How do we get this man into starting eleven? Mm. And
1: he's got, to, he's got to stay there now, isn't he? <laughs> it's the Elliot in the room, isn't it? How do we fit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <That's hilarious>. <laughs> <laughs> There's your title for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but how do we, how do we fit him into the, the squad? Because the, you, you know, he had his best game for us, probably. And we sacrificed a lot shape wise, which probably led to us conceding five goals. So how, how do you fit him into the team? Do you have to go f- diamond shape and, and sacrifice Kluwerf and maybe having young ahead of the defenders kind of mitigates some of it or, or what? What?
2: Do you think, Mark? Maybe, but I'd be very reluctant. The back three has served us well. I know, I agree with you. So I'd be reluctant to. But yeah, I mean, like I said, this is what Parkinson's getting paid his money for, I suppose. If I could throw another question to complicate that even further. How are we going to Get the best Out of Jordan Davis If we mm-hmm. use Elliott Lee In that role Now I'm not saying um, Okay If we play that system We played on Saturday I could see Davis Doing a perfectly good job yeah. Alongside Young Or alongside o- O'Connor Absolutely But it's deeper Than I'd want him to be Because mm. I want him You know He scored 15 goals Last season I want him up there In positions
0: to score <laughs> So It's a lovely problem To have though Isn't it It is know? Yeah but you've got to remember Throughout the season There's going to be injuries yeah. There's going to be suspensions yeah. We're going to have to play With the formation Who knows We might have centre-back crisis We might have to You know We may have a wing-back crisis Jordan Davis might have to Play there as yeah, well yeah, You, yeah. you, you yeah. never know What's going to happen the season But I think the best thing That we have got Is just options Everywhere Absolute mm. everywhere and It's and so
1: good Yeah and I think that's why I wasn't really too bothered After the North County game Because I mean I don't know What their squad depth's like I don't really know Much about them beyond what I've seen but yeah we lost uh, but I, th- I just think we've got the depth to last the, the marathon of the season really yeah, and, yeah. And, and when you've got to choose between Davis and Lee <laughs> it seems like a headache and I think a lot of fans get get frustrated thinking oh how are we going to do this but if we're winning who cares Like, yeah, so if, Eli- if Elliot Lee doesn't start another game this season and we go up uh, as much as I like the bloke mm. who, who cares <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> and matter does does to the one
0: thing we've got over the other top teams is we've got financial superiority which you know Chamanga is rumoured to go into Birmingham this week Uh, there's League One and Championship Clubs looking at Langstaff Mm -hmm. if, if there's big offers coming in for them, then they, these clubs can't really. You know, Chesterfield and Knott's County really doing well, but they, can they really say no to big figures? We could say no to, you know, people well, who offer Paul Mullin a lot of money. Well, uh,
2: yeah, the contrast is that those two players are clearly in demand, and we gave Mullin a contract extension. Yeah. So,
0: so someone's going to have to come yeah. in with mega money, aren't yeah. they, to take yeah. him off our of hands? And even then, we do have players who we can bring in as well and we've got other and the rest of the squads quality so yeah uh, I, I, I'm not really worried about that not to count loss as well well and truly behind me I, I am anxious for the boring game that's coming up we'll talk about that more next week but yeah it's mm-hmm. it's that was one crazy game to break down <laughs> wasn't it? And it it was it, I say this, I said this after Dove Games a game we'll never see again but who knows, there's always (laughs) next season (laughs) after this we're going to carry on with our rivalries section I'm
1: Aaron Hayden and this is Dragon Hearts well, rivalries
0: and the the final batch of this rivalry section we have been doing for the last few weeks is the other Welsh clubs, and I think you know a lot of the younger listeners. Yeah, you know even the younger younger listeners wouldn't have even seen us play against Newport unless the last unless we they seen them unless they seen us play him in the FA Cup not so long ago. Mm-hmm. The other Welsh teams, you'd think you know there's there's a niceness you know it's sort of a thing, but back in the day, Mark, the Cardiff game would have been a. A big one, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I can't help thinking
2: from that perspective that you look at where Cardiff and Swansea are now, and younger fans would think yeah, well, they're naturally always above us. Then, are they, they? They're much bigger than us. You know, in the nineties, when we got promoted, it was us and Cardiff both getting promoted at the same time. And in the 2003 season that we got promoted, Swansea nearly dropped into the conference. Things change. And those games mm. were proper rivalries. Like you say, the Cardiff one was the really spicy one. That was North against South. And it was a fairly even one. Um, they were quite frightening their fans when they used to come to our place. Uh, they used to have a group of about 30 of them who I'm sure they were called the doctors or the surgeons or something they used to wear all white, like hazmat suits all in one and they were terrifying and the TV would like show them all they'd show them doing that Ayatollah thing they'd do where they'd slap their head, oh, hands yeah, on their heads yeah. and they would say oh it's really fun oh look at those fun guys like they were you know people wearing fancy dress at a test match but no they weren't they were frightening and that, that Ayatollah thing was more of a to them at least a war cry and they were quite a frightening Bunch to play against, and the games are always really, really spicy. Um, up both sides, I remember us playing at Ninian Park, this old ground. And getting two players sent off in the first 20 minutes Barry Hunter Who I'm sure threw up straight after getting sent off Because he was so upset And positive that happened And it wasn't just a weird dream I had <laughs> And then <laughs> Gary Bennett as well We got battered 5-0 But they haven't seen us batter Cardiff 4-0 And I think 5-1 if I remember correctly And Swansea have seen us a, My most satisfying Swansea game was in um, Our promotion season two thousand two 2003 Absolutely ran rings around them Beaten 4-1 in midfield for them was a young Frank Lampard learning to yes, trade yeah. on loan to them, and
0: he gave a penalty away at the end yeah. of course, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was great. Uh, sorry, my, my memories—I I, I don't have it. I think we played them in the O three season to Cardiff, didn't we? Swansea, we did. Swansea, oh, we, we played Swansea. We definitely played Swansea, and we beat them that season, yeah, didn't yeah. we? I don't really have a great memory of it, to be honest. because I was so young, but my biggest memory of us playing Swansea was. Wasn't the last game at their old ground yeah. against um, Swans. Is it the Welsh FA? It Welsh. was the, the,
2: the, the that Welsh the Premier Cup, Cup that was brought in when they banned yeah. us from the Welsh Cup.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we they beat us didn't they yeah and they beat us at the race course in that Welsh Premier Cup as well Lee Trundle right, yeah. played for us so that's my memories of Wrexham playing Swansea didn't you meet Dem Perry in that uh, yes no. I did yeah that shook his that's why Dem Perry yeah the guy on Phoenix nights yeah. yeah so yeah I met him outside the ground that day but, yeah and I went with all the Bills mates funnily enough without Bill yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now he finds out yeah so, well no. all <laughs> I, oh, oh, I remember for that game was, uh, was it 2-1 in the end yeah and Simon Spender scored a consolation right, yeah, goal, yeah, didn't yeah. he? Uh, cause I, I, one of Bill's mates was giving Simon—I don't know why—he used to give Simon Spender a all the time. Yeah, Matthew
2: Clutton. Yeah, yeah, he used to, he used to give Simon Spender. <laughs> Name all, and shame—that's it. Yeah, all, I will, Yeah, all
0: sorts of. I don't really unjustify. I really like Simon Spender. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. Uh There's this
1: other fan who was like, "He's meant—he's part of our team. Leave him alone," sort of thing throughout the whole game. I in, remember. In, it. in fairness, must clarify, we were at. Me and my mates were about 16 at the time. It's yeah, not like it yeah, was like last week or yeah, so. But, <laughs> but
0: yeah, anyway, that, that game I remember being, oh God, yeah, they're better than us now. And Lee Trundle was loading it up and what have you. I loved that guy when he played for us. But yeah, my, my real Welsh derby. Memories from Newport, yeah. really. Yeah, uh, um, I remember the Purple Jumper game when we beat them. The <laughs> atmosphere, yeah, was, was uh, electric. Wasn't it, was electric, know? and it was a Sunday game as well. The P- Purple Jumper, I must say, was it was a fan in the opposite stand the Newport stand he's wearing a purple jumper and he got terrorised by the Rexham fans and it was hilarious wasn't it uh, yeah and it kind
1: of came out of nowhere he, wasn't, he, wasn't he giving <laughs> he was giving it large in all fairness but yeah and, and then he was he was soon quiet after about 10 minutes of chanting aimed in his direction <laughs> yeah
0: and we won that day, day but there's that Newport there is that Newport game isn't there Mark where, which will all be in all Wrexham fans memories uh, they beat in the playoff final and I'll never ever forever
2: uh, forgive them for that <laughs> <laughs> exactly a playoff final at Wembley 2014 I want to yeah, say we were the better side that day as well weren't we it, it was a poor bad. game though, was not necessarily really tight yeah. I had just like grim feeling commentating on it I couldn't see a scoring and especially Brett Ormrod missed an easy very <laughs> easy chance Um that's the game, I think, I in all the time we've been commentating that I enjoyed the least. Yep, same. Because I remember, like, sort of <laughs> kicking the ball under the desk. Like, I was trying to... I was so frustrated by it. It was horrible. I just had this inevitable sense that something
1: something bad was coming. I, I knew yeah. we were going to lose that game because... Cardiff had won the championship if I remember rightly Swansea, Swansea won the League Cup Swansea won the League Cup we won the FA Trophy and the only of the four four big Welsh teams were Newport and it was just like they're going up yeah. aren't they they're going to that mean every every one of the Welsh clubs will have done something which wasn't good for us we at could, all yeah really. that, that mm-hmm. would and which is crying shame looking back because
0: that season if we would have gone at that year that would have been one of the best ever seasons wouldn't it yeah oh gosh yeah but it was a fantastic season because we were a great side especially after 98 point season to pick ourselves up and win the FA Trophy it's, it's, it's an amazing season but to get promoted that season it would have been one of the best ever seasons yeah, but definitely. it was so sour just to think, thinking of that game it brings me oh, it's the first game I ever walked out early and it's the first game I ever cried at as well
1: so yeah wow, what, a, a, what an yeah. uplifting podcast this is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah.
2: well I've I, I got, got a traumatic memory of a Newport game if that's any help yeah, yeah. go on for, yeah. For yeah. Um, <laughs> when I was uh when I was in Yale College, upper sixth uh, year thirteen, as they call it these days, uh, I missed a Welsh Cup tie at the racecourse, Wrexham against Newport, a quarter final or semi final actually maybe um, because there was this big party in Th and I decided that I, I planned out very meticulously a romantic conquest that I was going to achieve, and it's absolutely failed. It was a disaster. It's probably the first time in my life I really got had a bit too much to drink and felt a bit unwell about it as well. <laughs> and then it turned out Wrexham Lost 3 2. So having spent part of the evening thinking, I wish I'd gone to the match instead, this is a nightmare, this. And it turned out even that was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> i have in Newport for all of that. Rightly so. Is
0: there any of, any of a Welsh rivalries?
1: TNS. <laughs> There's I that think that, that, that only lives in one man's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah for for a <laughs> <laughs> You know, I remember the, the
0: Bangor bringing yeah. fans over. Yeah. You know, f- place like that. The I, Welsh Premier team, Premier League
1: teams, mm. that, well, the traditional ones, always had good following. Yeah. I will Tell you what, that was quite interesting because I went to university in Bangor, and I never even maybe we just didn't play much for me growing up. I would never even registered in my head that. that, that there would have been some sort of rivalry there, but I spoke to a lot of the locals and they weren't always keen on Rexmo FC. Well, they were quite, they were quite nice to me on a personal level, but they're like, oh yeah, Rexmo, yeah, we don't really like Rex I, I remember <laughs>
0: us playing in that Welsh Premier Cup, and it was up. We played banger, and it was on the TV. That's all I remember from that game. Really, Hector Sam scoring too.
1: I remember being a little kid,
0: oh my god, Wrexham, we're on the TV, <laughs> and I was
1: sat there and I, I, being in awe of it. I, I've got to say though, good big up to, to the original ba- not well the, the actual banger CPD banger they've re- reformed haven't they the fans have started mm-hmm. them up you know it's a, that's a massive club for, yeah. for there's a lot of teams on the North Wales coast that are re- yeah. you know, really big Colum yeah. Bay are a big team as well real, they real, wouldn't necessarily yeah, real, yeah. be yeah. teams that we come across on a regular basis so you wouldn't call them rivals but they yeah. are big Big teams. And the ironic thing is that if
2: you if you delve into history, we never had fully had those rivalries of local teams as much as you'd expect, because the way football was developing, we we turned towards England. Yeah. And we played against North Western teams more. Well, we were briefly in the 19th century in what was called the Welsh League, but in reality, it was like a clueid league. Um, and a lot of these club records come from them when we're beating Kaiguli Wanderers and Gwersicht For- Foresters and teams like that, you know. But it's a shame that we haven't got quite as developed a, a relationship or rivalry with some of the North Australian teams as we would have done if we played them regularly. And yeah. um, Bangor, like you say, Bangor was always a bit of a tasty game. I remember some cracking games with yeah. them. Yeah. You know, in to Welsh Cup final a couple of times and the old ground Farrow Road oh I love that, that ground. what a ground fabulous that yeah, what a ground amazing ground and it was there and I saw possibly possibly the best goal I've ever seen a excellent player score and it wasn't filmed so nobody will ever see it which was again in that Welsh Premier Cup it was a season we went down yeah it was and we started off with Dave Warren in the team. We had no right backs in the entire squad, and Warren was filling in at right back. He was only a young lad from Ireland, and he played about a handful of games for us. He scored this absolutely disgusting volley <laughs> from about thirty-five yards. And the ball, like he didn't wait for it to come down enough, and just just slammed it, and it was the most unbelievable hiss of a ball you could imagine. And and uh,
0: we see it, and that was it; it was just gone it's wrong it's amazing as well you've got that in your memory and what have you oh i could never forget that i mean honestly it was just it was ludicrous but yeah and as well these well other welsh football teams as much as there's a bit of a rivalry you want to see them do well because you want to see the welsh national team do well i think the stronger all the welsh big welsh teams are and the welsh football system tier systems themselves the stronger the welsh national team are going to be and in the, in the next couple of months we're going to be talking more about the Welsh national team uh, are you saying that you wished Cardiff well when Neil Warnock was their manager I <clears>
1: don't <throat> wish, well, wish want to get personal <laughs> w- wish, wishing them well is, is maybe a bit strong yeah. but you want it's like you want us to be better than them but them to also be good so that the Welsh system benefits really isn't it yeah, and when Neil Warnock w- was manager
0: up the basketball. we'll be talking a lot more about that in the next few months with Qatar and what Truth. have you. Yeah. So, yeah, after this, we're going to finish off the podcast and talk a bit of Blythe. I'm Harry Lennon, and this is Dragon Heart. Blythe, I think, one of the more cooler um, games we could have drawn, really, in <laughs> this qualifying FA Cup, whatever it is. <laughs> There's a lot of historical significance, isn't there, Mark? This game. Oh yeah, fantastic.
2: The, the obvious
0: one. Oh, sorry. Just, just kick, there,
2: <laughs> in, a, in a prelude to uh, you know to the, what the this game sounds like, Newport County. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. The 77-78 game was uh, an epic, and I, I feel like, I feel like something's coming on here.
1: Uncle Griff.
2: Bedtime stories. Ah, yeah. Settle down, everybody. <laughs> it's time to hear about Blythe Spartans. No, it was crazy. So th- they did amazingly well. They got to the fifth round of the FA Cup, a non-league team. They'd had to play about three qualifying rounds I guess at the first round. They'd won at Stoke for <laughs> fair play. And then, of course, that was our great season. So we had already got to the quarterfinals of the League Cup. We would win the third division. We would win the Welsh Cup. And here we are in the fifth round of the Cup at home to a non-league side. We're flying and we're thinking this is fine. But we missed a lot of early chances. They score. A bad back pass by Alan Hill. And the centre forwards through and he scores. And then we are toiling away and we just can't get the equaliser. Two minutes left. We get a corner on the left-hand side. Les Cartwright sticks it in there. And it gets cleared behind from the corner The ref says it wouldn't have counted anyway Because the the pitch was rock solid And the flag had come out of the ground And he was being finickety and saying If the flag falls out of the ground You've got to stop the game Which strictly speaking is the rule So he puts it back in Cartwright takes her again The keeper catches it And the ref says the flag fell down So he comes and he sticks it in again Cartwright sticks a third corner in Keeper misses it Dixon McNeil gets up at the far post And heads it in And we've drawn I mean daylight robbery To get an equaliser like yeah, that yeah. I mean that is so cruel And so the replay was played At Newcastle's ground We'd beaten Newcastle in the last round. And just to really be horrible to Blythe You know when the draw was made For the fifth round It's Blythe away To Wrexham Newcastle Which is Just down the road, what a game that would be Newcastle. And then we go, I'm not Newcastle out under replay. Newcastle, because the the North East is just alive with this Blythe Spartans Cup run, which is outrageous, they let Blythe play at their ground and it sold out. Unbelievable crowds. Rexham players talked about how they they thought they weren't going to be able to get into the ground (laughs) on time for kickoff because the crowds (laughs) were just astonishing. And we get given, the same referee in those days for the replays, he gives us, having given us that corner, he then gives us a very soft penalty. The cross comes in, Dixon kneels underneath it, he falls over. It's hard to say, but it doesn't look like as much contact. Ref points to the penalty spot. Graham Whittle comes up. The pitch this time, it of being rock solid, is an absolute glue part of mud. It's awful. <laughs> Graham Whittle would take his penalties by sprinting up and smashing them. Any sort of thing. Ooh, you could slip here. Yeah. <laughs> but he does, he charged a beautiful penalty. And then just before half-time, Dixon McNeil scores a brilliant mm-hmm. half-volley. Right foot, top right corner. And lets yeah, with two up. Goal. But then Blythe come back, dominate the closing stages. They get a goal back with about six minutes left, and Rexman have to dig in and survive. So, yeah, I mean, that game, we have played them other times. We've knocked them out of the FA Cup twice in the 30s and the 50s. We played them in the Debenhams Cup which lasted two years. And the idea of it was that two teams outside the top two divisions that got furthest in the FA Cup would play each other for a trophy. And we played them in 1978 at the end of our big season. I would say these don't count. These are more friendlies than a real game, perhaps. But also, it was over two legs and a lot of our players were missing because a lot of them were in the Welsh squad. And the Wales team went on tour. And Blythe beat us over two legs. Us. Wow. so there's a there's a proper rivalry there or history, but it's a history based on Blythe and us both achieving something incredible. To be honest, uh,
0: and they could go and do it again on Saturday, couldn't yeah. they? Uh, uh, that's the magic at the FA Cup, really, isn't it? And this, you know, a lot of the American listeners aren't going to get it, are they? Because it's you know, the, well, a lot of them will, a lot of them won't. But the FA Cup, Bill, it's such
1: an important part of. UK history, really, isn't it? It, it? It's such a part of uh, UK national history, regardless of the sport. And obviously, it's probably one of the most important cups in in the sports history, isn't it? You know, the idea of I mean, there's only there's only a handful of cups really in world football where teams much lower can get to that sort of level. I think the French F, equivalent of the FA Cup that's quite often has teams from from similarish sort of levels. They they get into that. You know, there was a team. There was a team from an island, wasn't there, that played not too long ago. Yeah, all the French territories are counted as part of France, and therefore
2: their teams can play that, in the French uh, Cup. Right, right, so, for yeah. example, if you're in, if you're a football team in New Caledonia, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you can, You are allowed to enter the French Cup. Now, in reality, a lot of these teams don't. <laughs> because you know, you're a little amateur team in Martinique or Guadeloupe or Guyana, uh French Guyana, and um, you're gonna have to pay your airfare for you all to yeah. go over to play a fifth level French team. So in reality, generally, they don't enter. But they, do,
1: they they they're allowed to and sometimes they do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so that's that's obviously fascinating, but the the FA Cup regularly gives gives loads of different mad ties doesn't it mad ties and mad results I mean obviously our very famous yeah. result against Arsenal but we've got lots of other giant killings as well haven't we yeah. and, and we can be on the receiving end not that we're giants really compared to some clubs but we could be on the receiving end of, it, of an upset couldn't we and, and I think if we do progress in the tournament we're going to talk more about our classic, mm. classic FA Cup games
0: and I think as a per- for a personal perspective this season I'd rather it really see us put our eggs in a basket for the FA Cup rather than the FA Trophy this year and see how far we can get there because if we can get a tie against the Man United or Liverpool in the third round you're making some serious money and getting some really serious exposure like this weekend again a lot of exposure we're going to be on the ESPN man which is Wild isn't it
2: It's is brilliant isn't it I'm a little surprised The BBC didn't pick us As their game I do understand The attraction of They're showing Chesterfield Against the, the lowest team Left in the competition Yeah I do get yeah, that Yeah um, But the history Of Wrexham and Blythe I'd have thought Plus the fact I think As you say with ESPN The th- organisations are keen to cover us I thought it would mean that they would but
0: I get sort the Chesterfield you know. thing that's yeah, pretty, I, I that's I pretty
2: get it, but Google I'm surprised well, about it
1: as well you know and I thought we were the yeah, obvious time around perhaps the BBC are kind of banking on us getting through and going <laughs> yeah. to pick us next time not that I yeah, want to put yeah. the kibosh on it I'm not saying that personally mm-hmm. just maybe that's what they're thinking but
0: there, there's some if we just get past this round the first round there's some really tasty games we could have in round one isn't there mm-hmm.
1: the, so, the 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 rivalry section that's already happened yeah. previously have detailed some of those games that we could draw you know yeah, crew or port but, Vale could be huge games if we um, if we went through po-
0: pompier in league one still aren't
1: they yes Sheffield yeah. Wednesday are Sheffield as well Wednesday.
0: now Derby you know mm. there's, there's a lot of um, money to be made and a lot of epic games to be had even in the first round so I, I, I still see this as an important game for Wrexham too yeah. Chester are still in it yeah, of course remember they are. them oh, did they beat Hanley in the end did they oh, I want to say yes they, I, Han- they, was under now.
1: they had a replay didn't they yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it'd be funny if they didn't now. <laughs> <And, and, and laughs> it shows how much we care about <laughs> Chester. Well, but, but anyway,
0: there's going to be commentary of the game on Saturday. Mm. Um, obviously, there's not going to be any TV screens in the UK. Listen, uh, what covering it so listen to the coverage you know the triple a if you want that fan experience in the ground check that out on youtube of course the final whistle podcast and the hot take podcast which comes out immediately after game and of course dragon heart now on wednesdays too so please get (laughs) here from the calon (laughs) Studios live city center so please listen please enjoy thank you very much this has been dragon heart